Amen, indeed. The children are dismissed to Children's Church. I love the ending to that song, Highest praise, honor, and glory be unto your name. Highest praise, honor, and glory be unto your name. And we are wrapping up the book of James today, which is all about living for the highest praise, honor, and glory of our great God and his name. Please open your Bibles to James chapter 5 as we wrap up. James chapter 5, and that would be after Hebrews, before 1 Peter, the end of your Bibles, or almost the end, in the New Testament. I do not have the page number. We will have some scriptures on the screen, but the majority of it you should have your Bibles open for. A pew Bible, a cell phone or tablet Bible. Let's focus on God's Word together. As you're turning, I want to announce once again, this is the final week in James. And it's somewhat hard to believe, especially for me, maybe even more for you, that we've had only five weeks in a series and we're done. Because I know we were in John for about a year and a half or just around a year or so. Five weeks is pretty short for a series. But I want to also stress this. Despite how short this series was, just a simple five weeks, it is filled with a vast amount of knowledge, vast amount of power for our lives to be shown how to live in righteousness. Wisdom based upon the word of God, based upon God's instruction for us. In week one, we talked about suffering and persevering in that suffering and that testing of our faith. In week two, we talked about listening and doing being not simply hearers only of the word, but, but doers of the word and acting, therefore, in righteousness. In week three, we, we took a step for, further and talked about living with faith and works and how both are valuable. Not simply saying we have faith, but people never seeing our faith lived out for the glory of God and his kingdom and for the love of him and his people. And then week four, last week, we spoke about Speaking for the glory of God. How do we use our words? How do we use our speech? How do we be sure that our words are not for personal glorification, but for the glorification of God? I don't know about you, but that one is powerful to me. I think, though, each and every single one of these weeks was powerful, but maybe depending on the stage of your life, the season of your life, what you're going through in your life, one might speak, no pun intended, one might speak louder to you. But you must still see the vast knowledge to be seen in all the chapters of James for our daily living. This week we're going to be finishing strong with stopping and talking about prayer. In order to pray, we must recognize the vast power in stopping, waiting, taking a knee, and praying. And then waiting some more. Now, as we get into this, I want to remind you the context of where we're at. James writes from a perspective as a leader of a church, a pastor of a church, an elder of the church, of the Jerusalem church 2,000 years ago, and one which was facing, facing apparently this is my word for the day, a vast amount of persecution. And this is persecution like none of us know today. Maybe churches overseas know this to an extent, but not us. It was life-threatening persecution. Not simply persecutions which hurt us on an emotional level or on a spiritual level or which threaten our freedoms or our comfort levels or our blessings, but a persecution which literally threatened their lives. And we talk about 
threatening their lives. It's not a life threat of a humane death even, but a torturous, torturous, painful death. Also remember as we go into this that James is a good pastor who's looking out for the best of his people. He cares about his people. They're friends to him. They're brothers and sisters in Christ to them. And he speaks to them as such. Not simply a leader up here like a president of the United States which doesn't really know you. But a leader who can look out upon his congregation, upon his flock. And he knows what each and every single one of them is going through. And as he's looking upon them, and we'll read this in a little bit, he encourages them to stop and pray. Have patience and pray. I'm getting away from my notes. I've got a little more time today. So I'll say this. One commentary stated this. I think it's powerful for us. That when James is speaking about stopping and praying, having patience and praying, he's not saying to stop and smile and act like you have it all together. Which is so often what we do on Sundays. So often Sundays we have so much on our mind that we need prayer for, and yet we put on this smile. The pastor says, how are you all doing today? And we think, and I'm, I'm to blame here too, we think we should all just be happy to be here and celebrating to be here. And whereas that is true, it doesn't mean that you don't have real life struggles to which you need prayer for. There is power in prayer. James, with all his compassion, he speaks in this letter of practical advice, godly wisdom, care and compassion, encouragement. But he also speaks with challenge. And see this, he's also blunt with the truth. And this is convicting for us and them back then as well. Now, first of all, it's convicting to us as we see this challenge, as we see the convicting statements, but also is convicting to us a different way. Because I think so often in life, we fail to speak like James is speaking. And that can be either way. Either we're speaking with too much conviction, too much challenge, too harshly with people being too blunt, but not with the love, not with the compassion, not with the goodness and the encouragement. Or we do the other, and we, all our words are with love, but we never speak what needs to truly be spoken, and that's the truth of God's word and how you should be living. Just keep on pressing on. You're doing great. The Lord will help you. He will give you strength. Yes, he will. He will. He will. But you also need to start with looking to your life and comparing it to the word of God and see, are you truly living how he instructs us to live? Because if not, you're putting yourself in these situations. Let's get back to the notes. There's conviction to be seen here. There's challenge to be seen here. There's also encouragement to be seen here. And we've seen this over the last five weeks or five, fifth week today with suffering and persevering, listening and doing, not being hearers only, but doers, not, not having a faith that does not works, but having a faith which then works proceeds from and then using our words for the glorification of God. And that means watching our mouth. How often our mouths sound like the mouth of Anyone else that does not know the Lord. We need convicted. We need encouraged. We need both. But today we're going to stop. And we're going to talk about prayer. Because prayer is powerful. In fact, that stopping, that waiting 
and prayer are two of the most powerful things in the life of a follower of Christ. Let me say that again. That's the main idea for today. Everything we'll be speaking of, stopping and praying, that waiting period and praying, stopping and praying are two of the most powerful things in the life of a follower of Christ. For when you do this, you're focusing not on your own power and hopefully not on your own will, but on the power and the will of God. And God is the one, only one, who is truly supreme, truly sovereign, truly all-knowing. It is his purpose, his will, his glory, which we live for. But still, we must remember the context as we go into this. Can you even imagine how difficult these words would be to hear in that day? Again, we spoke, they're living in a day of threats to their very lives, of which we don't understand, and yet... They're told to stop and pray. Don't try and do things on your own. Take a break. Take a knee. For many of us, we're quick to try and figure things out ourselves. Figure out a remedy ourselves. And that's not inherently wrong as there's so many things within our life that we can do ourselves. And we do live in a day where we're, we're greatly blessed with so much instant gratification. Nearly at least. Even Amazon generally takes two days. However, now some cities get their product within two hours. And I saw a news um, casting the other week of the first drone delivery to a person's front doorstep. I wonder how much paint's going to get scratched off doors by those blades. It's crazy to think of how much we do not have to wait for. But we should always be waiting on God. That, that, this is the life that James is, is proclaiming of, waiting on the Lord. This is a life that they knew they had to live because there's so much they could not control. Here's my point today for you. Whether you've ever faced life or death persecution or not, I can guarantee you that the longer you follow Jesus, the more opportunities we will have to learn the power of stopping and waiting on the Lord in prayer. This is often where he does his best work, his most powerful work, his most inspiring work, his most life-changing work. It's not that God can't work when you're in a hurry. He can. But it's when we slow down, stop, and take a knee and truly talk with him, focus on him, that we truly start to see his plan unraveling before our very eyes. Let me say something else before we read the scripture. Don't just take the big things to God. Take all things to God and in all circumstances. We'll read about this. But let me share an illustration with you. I read of a lady who came to a great preacher of the last century. And she said, I only take the big things to God. I don't want to bother him, she probably thought. Well, the pastor looked at her, the preacher looked at her and said, Lady, anything you take to God is little. Anything you take to God is little. Some of us could learn from that statement. And it's not that it's little of no value, but it's little because of his supreme power and wisdom and knowledge. They're, they're, they're like simple little problems to him, not even a problem. So why would we only take the big things to him? There is no big thing. We must take all things. You see, you can and should bring anything, everything in fact, to God. Because anything you bring to God is little to him, even if it seems big to you. He has the power to help you with all things. The power, if nothing else, to help guide you through the things that maybe he's not going to change because it's for a purpose. 
and he can help you understand. There are some things we'll never understand, but he'll give you the strength to persevere to the end. He'll remind you that you're not alone. For those who believe and for those who have experienced the need and the power of it, patience and prayer, again, are two of the most powerful things in a believer's life. Waiting on God is powerful. Let me say that again. Waiting on God is powerful. Let's read, starting with that first topic, that first idea of today, stopping. Let's read. James says in chapter 5, verse 7 to 12, in your copies of the Word of God in front of you, or you can simply listen to my voice, but I'll say you'll get more out of it if you also read. Be patient. Don't cringe with that. I know some of us don't like hearing that. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. I wasn't planning on stopping, but I have to stop here. <laughs> Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He's re- relating this being patient to establishing our hearts. To establish your hearts on the coming of the Lord coming. We must also realize that we are to be patient. Recognizing that the Lord will come. And he will control all things. He already is in control of all things. But he will bring everything to be. Let's read. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. We'll stop there for now with this first idea of be patient. That's what James says here. Be patient. And what a powerful encouragement and conviction for all believers, old and new. Why? Because I think we must admit we struggle here. In fact, I think my entire life I've grown up hearing people say, don't pray to the Lord to help make you patient because he'll put you through something to help you learn how to be patient. And you might not like it. We struggle greatly here. We struggle with the very idea. We're afraid to pray for patience. We're afraid to even talk about the need. Yet for those who know God's word, for those who know his blessings, his promises... You may remember that you already have patience. Patience is a great blessing. It's a great characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a characteristic of one who follows after Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. It doesn't mean you don't struggle here. But often the struggle is not recognizing that we already have this ability to be patient with the Holy Spirit within us. We simply don't yield to Him like we should. And that goes... For many other things in our life also, the Holy Spirit is there, and we must yield to Him. Looking to the Scripture today, though, there's several things which jump out about this first statement from the passage about patience. First of all, patience in general. We, we briefly cover that. Patience in general is hard. But let's look to the object for which we first must be patient for. The object is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is something which all believers today, far and wide, all ages, should be patiently anticipating, looking to, remembering. The return of Christ was at the front and center of believers of that day because they knew persecution like no other. And yet we somehow in our today culture of instantaneous gratification, comfort, and at least a falsified peace and contentment, we fail to look to the return of Christ. Or we at the very least fail to look to it enough. Because we think, no God, I'm good. I'm good, my life's good, my family's healthy, my, my money's in order, I got a retirement plan coming. I'm doing pretty well. My kids are on the honor roll. I got, I got that sticker to slap on the back window. But truth be told, we're not good. We're not good at all. We're living in a fallen world. Some of you know that side of things more than others. Because maybe you are struggling with school. Maybe you are struggling with friends and drama. Maybe you're struggling with your health or your finances. Maybe you're struggling and, and you're recognizing the struggle of your spiritual strengths. As you feel Satan just bombarding you with his schemes, his arrows, his attacks. And that's good that you recognize that. But it's also good that you recognize that the Lord will come. You know what's also good to recognize, and we'll end with this point later on? The Lord is with you always. The Lord is with you always. Everything you need is in Him. But when we look at the life of James, when we look at the life of the people James was preaching to, so often every part of their life was characterized by remembering these very truths. And yet so often of our lives, we don't even think about these truths. Or we think about them rarely. We have a great problem today. In that we have become so comfortable with our freedoms and our blessings of our current location and time. Those are two things Tim Jacobson spoke of at our Thursday morning Bible study. We have great blessings in our location of the United States of America. God has blessed us greatly. And we have great blessings in our time to have certain comforts that people did not know 50 years ago, let alone thousands of years ago. But it's because of these great comforts of location and time that we do not think of heaven, Jesus' return, or the new earth to come nearly enough. But continuing these ideas, James talks about our actions. He talks about our speech. He talks about our faith, which should lead to works. And he talks about stopping and praying. James gives us three examples to how we should pray. How we should stop. How should we, we should wait. And he starts in verse 7 to 10 saying, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Then later on he refers to a second example. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He says, look to the farmers. He says, look to the prophets. He says these are practical examples of which we can look to as we think about how we are to have faith. How we are supposed to be patient. That's what we're talking about first. Stopping, waiting, taking a knee, bowing down, having patience. Think of a farmer. The farmer cannot control all things. They try to. Some of you have experience with farming. I have a very little experience in farming being a city guy. But I do know a great level of dependence is on God and His control. The weather, 
the rain, the sun, the temperatures, the moisture levels in the soil, the quality of soil. Some of these things we can try to manipulate, but there's still nothing like the control of God. That's what the illustration here is talking about. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You see, farmers must be patient and depend on God for what they cannot control. We also must be patient. We must wait and we must depend on what we cannot control. We must go to the Lord and be patient on Him. Secondly, he gives this example of the prophets. Prophets were patient on the Lord's deliverance and guidance as they faithfully went out into the world proclaiming the truth. Here's what I want you to see here as we begin to dig into this idea of patience. Patience does not always mean doing nothing. Because even if it looks like you're doing nothing, even if you're taking a knee, it's allowing you to focus on the one that is doing something. Patience sometimes involves knowing what he's already told you to do and not trying to come up with a new way yourself, not reinventing the will, but doing the next best thing, doing the next perfect thing, I should say, of which God's already instructed you to do. How do we do at these things, like the farmer, depending on God for control of things we can't control? How do we do at these things, like the prophet, going out, proclaiming the truth, and trusting God for the deliverance? Next we see Job. Job lost everything, his family, his fortune, even his friends, through a long, long, long season of suffering. And if you've never read the, the book of Job, the story of Job, you should. But you probably know the general theme, the general idea at the very least. And yet we see at the very end or throughout the book, he was patient. What was he patient in? I want to proclaim this. He was patient in God's glory and God's purpose to come. And that's another illustration. That's another thing we get out of this illustration. We too, like Job, can be, should be at all times patient as we await and seek the glory of God and his purpose to come. He has a purpose to come. We've talked a lot about this throughout the book of James. And we see Job was greatly rewarded in the end. And we too will be greatly rewarded in the end as we're delivered into our forever kingdom in the presence of God. Here's what I want to get to. We often look up to these stories of the Bible, these heroes of the faith, these heroes who would persevere through great suffering, through great struggles. And not only did they persevere, but they were okay with stopping and waiting and being patient on God. But we are to be like these people. How are you doing with being like them? Striving to, striving to live like them. Need another example. One more. How about this? Think of the story of Joseph who was sold into slavery and then imprisoned yet continued to be patient in the Lord's purposes through it all. He continued to serve God and look not to his own wants. Look not to his own salvation. Look not to do the sinful things but in all ways to live above reproach, despite his suffering. He did not curse God. And it all came back around, didn't it? Again, we count these people as fortunate, as blessed, as strong in their faith because of their willingness to be patient. But we too can be just like them. My question to you is, do you look to God like they look to God? 
Do you see yourself as blessed? Because we are, in fact, some would say we are more blessed than them. Because once again, we have this renewed relationship with God. We never are out of God's sight for the Holy Spirit is with you. They are human. You are human. The one thing of difference here, depending on time and space and location, is that the stories we're reading is of when they were looking to God, being patient on his lead. So my question to you, are you looking to God, being patient and waiting and looking to their need? Again, it's not easy. I, I, I just want to think it was even more hard for them. It definitely wasn't easy for them. After all, we, for so much of our life, can just click a button, send a text, make a phone call, and Seamus and Marissa might even deliver your food from, um, what's that called again? DoorDash. Another instant gratification thing. And a good way for a date night, I hear. Here's the thing. Despite all the comforts we live with, despite all the instant gratification, I think you can look across the world today, even within our very own culture and community, and see we are no closer to being peaceful, content, and satisfied than when we first began. And why is that? It's because we seek our own solutions instead of the solution of God. And even when we find a solution, and even if it's the right solution at that time by the grace of God, it's still not satisfying because it didn't connect us to God in prayer. You see, when you're connected to God, you have something great. You have renewal. Let me read this to you. A few scriptures. Isaiah 40, 31 says... And these should be on the screen for you. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's read another one. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now, in my translation, there's an exclamation mark there. In my translation, that wait for the Lord is also spoken twice at the beginning and the end. And I noticed those things, and you should too, because it's like God is trying to beat it into your heads because he knows he created us with some pretty hard heads, and we can be pretty stubborn. And this is one thing we need to know. We need to wait for the Lord. Notice what he says happens. I want to say when we wait for the Lord, we can be strong and we can take courage. Second Peter then 3 9, one more scripture before we move forward, move forward says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And there's two things here I want to share with you. One God is patient. What a blessing. In fact, we live in a day of blessing, in a day of his patience, in a day of what some would say his grace to humanity. And with that, I want to say something else. If you are in this room or you're watching on that live stream and you're, you're not following after Christ as Lord, I want to say he is being patient with you. But there will be a time when the end comes and all will be judged the righteous will be in his presence forever. And who are the righteous but the ones who trust in Christ as Lord, repent of their sins, and trust in him for their salvation? 
and follow him as Lord into his presence forever. Don't wait till tomorrow. And if you're the ones who are suffering, see this reminder that this day will come. And you don't need to worry about your own revenge, your own vengeance, your own justice, delivering your own justice. God will deliver that. But he is patient now. And just as he is patient now, we too should be patient now in delivering this good news to your friends, to your family, to your neighbors. And who is your neighbor but the world? The nations. Take this news. Take it to the world. I want you to hear this. Waiting is not a sign of weakness. Waiting is not a sign of weakness. And waiting, waiting is not passive. Waiting is powerful. Waiting is powerful. And we all should wait on the Lord. In fact, say that after me. Wait on the Lord. Let's say that. Wait on the Lord. Let's say one more thing together. Be strong. Be strong. We are to wait on the Lord and be strong. And I want you to see that that is how we find strength, truly, is when we take that knee and wait on God. For we recognize that we don't have to be in control of all things. And I am standing up here con convicted. I am one of those people who thinks I need to be control all things. But we all need to come to this realization, too, of knowing that God is truly the only one who really is in control. Be strong. Wait on God. Waiting is okay. Having patience, learning to stop and wait, especially in waiting on God, it is okay. It is a strength, not a weakness, especially when we wait not on ourselves or someone else, but on God. For he is the one, Christ is truly the one interceding for us on our behalf anyways. And who better would we want to wait on? Do you want to supercharge or amp up your waiting as one pastor said? James goes on and he tells, tells us, do not grumble against one another. Do not swear by heaven or earth and finally be prayerful. And that's what we're going to get into next. We stop. We're patient. We wait on God. But we don't just wait passively. We wait in prayer, speaking with God. And as we do that, we look to support one another. Not grumbling to one another, but supporting one another. Encouraging one another. Lifting up one another. And not swearing by heaven or, or earth. Let's talk about praying. Finishing up that idea, stop and pray, stop and pray. James says in verse 13 to 18, Is anyone among you suffering? Look down in your Bibles. If, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and, you got it, pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. I underline that. I think you can as well. Highlight it, circle, star, whatever you want. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. There's powerful instruction here. In fact, that's what we're speaking of. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. So James instructs, are you in trouble? Pray. Are you happy? Pray louder. In fact, he says to sing praise to God. Praising God, singing to God. This is another form of prayer as we're focusing on talking to him, but we're praising him for all that he does. Notice it comes after talking about being happy or cheerful. How often that's when we don't praise God. Our life is all together. Why do I need to pray? Because he's the one we should give thanks to. Are you sick? Struggling with physical ailments and afflictions? Again, prayer is instructed. Here's my point that I want to get at. The response at every situation is the same. Pray. This begs the question for us all to consider, should not prayer be our default response? Should not prayer be our habitual response to each and every situation? In all circumstances, both good and bad circumstances, should not prayer be the first place we go? Praise be the first place we go. In good times and bad, stop, wait, take a knee, pray, and wait. I love the idea of taking a knee. And some of us played football as a kid, and we had those coaches that when we came up at the end of practice said, all right, guys, take a knee. And as you take that knee, I think it's important to recognize that what you're doing still is not passive because you're learning. That coach is instructing you. And you, you taking that knee is allowing you to truly listen to what the coach has to say instead of fidgeting, instead of trying to listen to what your teammate has to say. And our brothers and sisters in Christ have a lot to say, but the most important one to listen to is God. We stop, we take a knee, we pray, and then we wait some more. Elsewhere in the Bible, this is also seen, but we also see something else very great to see. This is God's will. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 instructs and says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That alone is powerfully encouraging and powerfully convicting. But then look at this next statement. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I don't know about you, but I have prayed so much in my life. Lord, show me your will. Show me your will. Are you asking for what the will of God is in your life? Teens, especially you, kids, especially you, as I think this was some of the biggest time in my life where I was praying, Lord, Lord, show me your will. And so often it's about like, what job should I go into? What, what, what college should I go to? What friends should I hang out with? Whatever it might be. Well, kids, listen to this. First and foremost, we need to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God. How are you doing at these things? Because when you start to do better at these things, other things will come together. The will of God is that we would always rejoice, always pray, and always give thanks. I know how that often sounds impossible. 
Because maybe you think, pray always. How can I do that? It's hard enough to find five minutes to pray. I go to the restroom and try and find five minutes alone and pray, and my kids are still knocking on the door, yelling under the crack of the door. Some of you know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> we must have a different mindset of what prayer is. Prayer is not just audible. Prayer is not just something we speak. Prayer is a state of mind to where everything we do, how we live, is about praying and praising God. Every time something bad is happening, you're saying, Lord, help me. Every time something good is happening, you're saying, Lord, thank you. Remember, he knows all things. Jesus is interceding on your behalf, and the Holy Spirit yearns on your behalf when you don't even know what to say or how to react. James goes on, verse 16 to 17, and says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's what I want to focus on there. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Prayer works. Can we say that? Prayer works. Why do we act like it doesn't work? Even the unrighteous, even those not saved, even those that do not know Christ as Lord, even those who proclaim to not even believe in God, they know prayer works. As I've seen time and time again in hospitals where they ask, can you pray for me? Because they realize there's something there. You see, the prayers of the righteous are powerful. The prayers of the righteous are powerful. Do not neglect stopping Waiting, praying. There is immeasurable value in praying. Just as we learned last week, there's immeasurable value in considering the words we speak. There's immeasurable value in our prayer, for we are speaking with God. Stop, wait, pray, and wait some more. You've heard it said, when, when your body is on fire, stop, drop, and roll. Well, I couldn't help but think our lives are on fire because so often we need to stop, drop, and pray. Stop, drop, and pray because lives are on fire all across the world. Because we're trying to solve our own problems instead of looking for God to be part of the solution. And look, for, look also for his solution, not your own. Whether you're happy, whether you're in trouble, whether you're sad, whether you're sick, whether you're stuck... In life, make a habit of praying. Moving forward, James points out the attitude of Elijah as an attitude of which we should have in prayer. 1 Kings 18 speaks of this attitude that Elijah has. Again, remember, waiting on God in faith and praying are two of the most powerful actions any believer, any follower could have. But back to the book of James and how he refers to Elijah here in his prayer. It says, he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently. Fervently. Two things I want to point out here. Elijah's like ours. Like us. Us. He's a regular, sinful human being, just like us. And yet he was extraordinary and listed in the Bible as a man to look up to. And why? Because he prayed fervently. We too 
can live extraordinary lives. And how is that so? By praying fervently to God. He prayed fervently and believed, and then God brought healing rain on the land, which I must all say was God's promise, God's plan, God's will. Pray for the will of God and pray that he helps use you and help you to understand and strengthen you to help in that purpose, in that will. But do see this. He prayed for God's promises, God's will, God's glory. And how did he do it? But fervently, consistently. He was dedicated to one cause and one cause only, God. Prayer matters. Again, prayer matters. We must do the extraordinary in our lives each and every single day. What the rest of the world is not doing. And it is stopping and praying, speaking with God. Waiting on God's will to happen and come to be. Prayer does matter. And when you add fervent prayer in the mouths of the righteous, you are extraordinary. You are extraordinary, powerful. For that's what the word says. Hear this. For those who believe... Patience and prayer are two of the most powerful forces on earth. How are you doing at stopping, at waiting on the Lord? But then not just saying, I'm waiting for God to do something, but talking with him and then waiting some more. All parts of that work together. And as we work to conclude, I want to say this. I want to summarize a little bit the book of... of, um, James here, but I want to say this. Yes, we look different today. The tribulations of which we encounter, the struggles, the suffering, the testing, it looks different than what it did 2,000 years ago. But whether it looks different or not, we still must acknowledge that it's there. The enemy, Satan, he's like a thief in the night looking to kill, steal, and destroy. He's crouching, crouching at our doorsteps looking to lead you away from God. At the very least, to just lead our attention away from God, to take the glory away. He wants us to look to ourselves. He wants us to think that the suffering is too much to bear. But we must remember the Lord is good, great, mighty to save, and his blessings are new every morning. Remember Lamentation 3, 22 to 24, which says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Hope in the Lord and see the instructions he's given you for life. Stop. Take a knee. Bow before the king of kings and pray for his glory, for his will, for his instruction and hope to come to you. In your suffering, in this time, just like James, there's great hope for those who trust in God and wait upon his deliverance. And that's what he starts off in James 5 talking about, waiting on the Lord's coming. Waiting on the Lord. Remember, amid the present darkness and chaos, the ever-present light of Christ is still shining. Even when the darkness seems to be all around you, the light of Christ is still there illuminating where you are to go, whom you are to cry to. And through Christ, through his interceding, our prayers are heard. We're seen as righteous through Christ. And powerful are the prayers of the righteous. Powerful are the prayers of the righteous. Powerful are the prayers of the follower of Christ. Is this you? Stop and pray. Wait on God. 
the church is powerful when they see that you're righteous in Christ and you have your power from God. So friends, stop with me and start praying for your friends. Start praying for your struggles. Start praying for your testing. Start praying for your questions and wait upon God. In the meantime, act upon things in how he's already given you instructions to act. Don't be passive, but act. But allow God to be in control of the things that only he can be in control of. And be like the prophets who go forth and proclaim the truth, knowing what God's already told you. Trust him for deliverance. Trust him for knowing there's a purpose to come. Trust him and seek him for his glory, just like Job. Remember your faith. Live out your faith. Even in suffering, see the Lord's promises and care. See his glory, his goodness. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Have faith and act upon it in the righteousness of God. And speak to the glorification of God, not self. Watch your mouth. And finally, have a deep commitment to waiting on the Lord, praying, and finding your strength in him. Don't look for your own solutions Talk to God and look for his solutions. And even if it's the same solution by his grace, you'll have so much more contentment and peace due to that constant communication to prayer and talking with the Lord. And then as we close, I want to remind you that point. The Lord will come. The Lord will come. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're not going through, good time the bad, remember the Lord is coming. Are you ready? Don't get so comfortable with the blessings of this day that you fail to look forward to the blessings to come for God's church. God will deal with the unrighteous. God will deal with the worldly. God will deal with Satan and his followers. Let him do his part. What are we to do? Love and live faithfully knowing that God will see you safely through until the end. Have faith, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20. For behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. I pray this book of James has been good for you. It's been good for me. It's great to remember how we have this wisdom from God on daily living for Christians. He doesn't leave us just wandering and wandering the earth thinking, how are we to live? He speaks it plainly into our lives. And then we have the Holy Spirit to also speak it for our understanding. Yield to him and live for him in all you do. Let's pray and we'll close in one song. And then I invite you, please stick around for Sunday school. And then um, next Saturday, we'll have, again, a memorial service for Dan Lee. 10 to noon will be a visitation time. And at noon, we'll have a service and with a meal to follow and all are welcome. Let me pray. Lord, we thank for your word, which is a light to our life, a lamp for our steps. And, and Lord, everything we do, we pray that our life, our steps would be glorifying to you. Lord, we thank you for how your word speaks to us, not just for encouragement, but for conviction, not just for conviction, but for encouragement. Lord, may we yield to it in every part of our life. And may we stop, drop, take a knee and pray, talk with you and find our solutions, find your will in all things. Thank you, Lord, for the strength that prayer leads, that waiting and prayer brings to the life of a follower of Christ. Thank you for not leaving us alone to figure things out. Thank you for the life we have in Christ. 
and the patience you give to humanity now. May we live to glorify you for the edification of your saints and to be not just hearers only, but doers, acting out our faith, living for you and your glory, and to deliver the good news to all the nations. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's risen from the grave, and we are alive through him. Forevermore, sins are forgiven. We have been redeemed. May we proclaim these things as we live for you. And Lord, may we pray ceaselessly rejoicing at the truth. And all God's people said, amen. Please stand. Let's sing one final song together. God bless you. Lean on the everlasting arms of God.
Stop, wait, pray, lean on God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you.